Welcome to We Are DB. I am Brenton, joined as always by the lovely Danielle. That's me. Thanks for joining us this week as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen. This week, rated as number 12 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world is Forrest Gump. Released in 1994, starring Tom Hanks as a lead, Forrest Gump is an epic drama that spans several decades of the main character's life through many historical events of the 20th century. Based on the 1986 novel by Winston Groom, Forrest Gump is written for the screen by Eric Roth and directed by Robert Zemeckis. Eric Roth, for context, has been nominated five times for Best Adapted Screenplay for Forrest Gump, The Insider, Munich, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and just recently, Bradley Cooper's A Star is Born. So he's very good at adapting. He did the screenwriter or the the screenplay, yeah. The screenplay, yeah. Oh, okay. Because cool. that one has been done a couple of times, but he modernized it, so he's he's very good at it. Winston Groom also wrote a sequel to this called Gump and Co. in 1995 after the success of the film. And Robert Zemeckis, just in case you don't know, most notably directed the Back to the Future trilogy, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Castaway, The Walk. Most recently, Welcome to Marwin, which I heard was was not great at all. Oh yeah, that was that uh. Steve Carell or whatever one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this Gump and Co., that never went anywhere, right? No, it was more of a reaction to this film, and um, he changed a lot of things, even about his character, to make it seem more like the the movie version with Tom Hanks. Um, I think he even references the movie and about how there was a movie based on his life, and it looks more into the business side of what happened to Bubba Gump after the, the events of the movie. It, it just seems really So was weird. there an actual guy? No, it's oh. ridiculous. But okay. he wrote the second one as if it, it was, was a reaction. Um... As if he just had a movie released on his life. Yeah, I'm really glad that never went anywhere. Yeah, it just seemed, it just seemed very weird. It was, just, it was just basically a cash grab. Yeah, I'm glad that never went anywhere. Yeah. Why well, wreck a good thing? Well, from what I've heard about his original book, which I haven't read... Doesn't doesn't really seem like a good thing. Like it seems like a very strange book to adapt in the first place. It's a pretty ridiculous story. Follow this uh, mentally challenged man through all these crazy events. And made a great movie though. You really like this movie? I do. How I've... many times have you seen it? Oh, probably, probably six times. Yeah, probably. I've probably seen it closer to ten. Yeah, I've seen it quite a few, and I've seen it. I was trying to think last night, when was the first time I ever saw it? And I think I saw it halfway through or something. You always see pieces of movies. Yeah, I know. Like, it's because when I lived at my grandparents, they would always have, like, there were always movies on in the afternoon on TV. So we'd Mm. just flick it on and it'd already be halfway through. So that's why, like, I don't think I ever saw Shawshank all the way through until we sat down and watched it. And I'd seen it, like, eight times. Yeah. That's wise, because... We would just sit down on a Sunday afternoon and flick on whatever was on, and it'd usually be partway through the movie already. I think this is such an interesting use of storytelling to convey the like the culture and the feel of those decades, like the second half of the twentieth century. Yeah. You know? You, you got you can really feel this is the sixties, this is the seventies. Well, and I liked that, and I think, honestly, this movie may have informed some of my, like, internal perceptions of 
what those decades looked well, like. Well, I, I think it heightened those cliches and those stereotypes. For the purpose of storytelling. Yeah. yeah. But I like to... I just like everything about the use of storytelling. So I like the way that the director decided to use Tom Hanks' face. Like in that scene with the clan leader. You know, like they made him that oh, right. guy riding around on a horse and so stuff. So you liked how they superimposed him into old footage. I love that. I thought that was the best thing ever. I thought it was so clever and funny. I I thought that was a really good way to do it, especially because like you wouldn't have that from the book, right? Yeah. So that's a that's a directorial choice. And I thought it was really clever. I thought it was a great a great way to actually, you know, drive home the importance of some of these political events that were highlighted um is to actually have them there in the film i I really liked that for the longest time i always i didn't realize that there was actual footage i thought it was just they got actors in to stand in for these things until you realized yeah leading on from that i'd like to say i I really like this movie i always have Mm -hmm. i I really enjoy going on this uh trip every time i watch the movie that being said I kind of disagree with you there because I recognize that the movie is really flawed. Okay. I think that this movie really had the opportunity to say something and make a statement about the Vietnam War or the AIDS epidemic or mental health in general, and it doesn't really. It's mostly just a gimmick to go from scene to scene to scene. Oh, remember when this happened? Remember when that happened? And it just sort of links them all together. It seems forced. And particularly with those scenes... You really feel that way? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's like, why did you have the scenes in there where he's like... He inspired John Lennon to write Imagine. You know what I mean? It's just added in there. It's like, oh, do you remember this? Or him at the Watergate Hotel. It's like, oh, this is another thing that that happened. Oh, Forrest Gump was also involved in that, you know. And it just seems like a bunch of things that were crammed in there. I think this movie thinks it's better than it actually is. Okay. Okay. See, that's a perspective thing, I think. Um, I always have fun with it. Yeah. No, and, and I agree with you. I just think, I always thought it was kind of clever. You know, I always yeah, thought I that, like, it. it's a good way to kind of introduce you to some of these historical events in a light way. You know what I yeah. mean? And it definitely, for me, it helps create, like, a lighthearted timeline that I can mm. go back and draw on for those political events. It just seemed like they were asking themselves... What other thing can we squeeze Gump into? Well, but I think that was the point, right? That's yep. that's why I don't have any problem with it because I'm like, like they were doing it for humor. Like he was involved in everything and that's, that is the gimmick, right? So that's why I didn't ever mind it. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to list off exactly some of the plot points in his life, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he met Elvis and inspired that very famous dance. Yeah. He, he was a college football star and he got to meet JFK. He went to the army and fought in the Vietnam War. He got his Medal of Honor and he got to meet President Johnson. And then he represents the US in his ping pong championship, meets Nixon, inspired John Lennon's Imagine that I said before. He uncovered Watergate scandal. He successfully was a shrimp boat captain. He was the owner of a multi-million dollar company. And he ran across the US for three and a half years. Like these are just... And he invested in Apple. Oh, yeah. At the very beginning. This is... yep. See, something like that. It's just like, why did you add that little scene in there? Because it's it's basically just having a wink to the audience saying, oh, remember this? I think that's the point. Yeah. I think that was the point. Yeah. My stepmom 
I had a lot of DVDs when I was uh, still living at home, and mm-hmm. she would she would group them in like genre, mm-hmm. um, and I would like to alphabetize all these hundreds of DVDs. Anyway, she would put Forrest Gump into comedy, and I always thought as a kid, this this isn't really a comedy; it's it's a drama, really. And she said, if you knew every little thing about what this movie was saying, and if you lived in the 70s and 80s, you would see how much of a wink it actually is and how Mm -hmm. funny it's actually trying to lean into. So that's why she classed it as a comedy. I just thought that was an interesting thing because I'd never thought... Because she also classed Titanic as a chick flick. And I'm like, not really. That's like a historical drama, you know? Yeah. And she's like, no, it's a chick flick. And I'm like, okay. It, It just... As a kid, seeing these movies, I had a very different perspective. But I guess it, it could be classed as a comedy. It's a... Uh... Not traditionally. See, like, and I don't even like know... It's not like National Lampoon's no. or anything. And I don't even know if I'd call it a drama. I mean, we'll call it that because I can't think of a, ne- a better word. But it's a drama with comedic elements. Yeah. Which is, like, very typical. You know what I mean? It's a historical... I called it an epic drama in the beginning. Mm, okay. That's, that's the best way I can put it. Mm. Epic meaning that it's like spanning all these decades and it's a, it's a big lifelong sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. I looked up what big uh, events and things he had his finger in in the book uh-huh. uh, as well as the ones that are listed in the movie. He then went on after the whole Bubba Gump thing. He went and worked for NASA and he became an astronaut. And then he was a world chess champion. He was a movie stuntman. And then he was a professional wrestler called The Dunce. And then by the end, he has an orangutan and he plays in a one-man band. And I just thought, how ridiculous is this story? Also, how long is this book? Like, Winston Groom must have just been cramming in event after an event. It just, it must seem really weird and strange. I feel it like... It couldn't possibly flow well. I feel like they cherry-picked it for the movie to make it flow well. Because I feel like as out to lunch as all of the things he does are, I feel like if you'd have put even one more, you would have been like, okay. Well, like I, th- this, I think it still no. passes that threshold a little bit. A little bit, but it's not like so in your face. Like, yeah. like this is just baloney. I mean, it, it is, but you know, I think any more and it would have just been an eye roll. Can you imagine if he was like, now Forrest Gump goes to space and it's just, it just seems ridiculous. Mm. Funnily enough, the very next year, Tom Hanks was in Apollo 13, so he mm. went to space anyway, with Gary Sinise, who yep. plays Lieutenant Dan. I think it's funny in there, too. He's like, the day you become a shrimp boat captain is the day I'll become an astronaut or something like yeah, that. He says, yeah, he says a line in there. I wonder yeah. if they were already working on that movie when he made that line. Yeah. Pretty funny. Can I just say how great Gary Sinise is in this as an actor? I really, I was paying attention to his character and his acting more so in this time of me watching it than previously mm. he was nominated for best supporting actor he didn't get it hanks did get the, the oscar for this though mm. um but i really think gary sinise's performance in this should really uh, have some credit to it no i agree i'm just thinking back to all those scenes and i mean physically is like the the first thing that comes to mind for me because it's got to be interesting as a person with legs to act as a person without legs you know, because yeah. they've got to put those. I don't know if, how they would have. I edited think they that did out. it digitally. They would have to have, yeah. yeah. Um, but just like there's a lot of scenes where he has to act as if he doesn't have them. And mm. like that would just be interesting to kind of figure out how kinesthetically to move yourself. You know yeah. what I mean? Let's go back to 
the traditional facets of what acting is just emotionally and vocally. Yeah, he's fantastic. Well, I think because of his story arc um, and what happens to that character, he goes through quite a bit of depression. He gives him the opportunity to reach those heights in his acting because he has these big emotional sort of scenes. Mm. Um, And then he comes back around and sort of accepts what has happened to him. Um, by the end of the movie. Well, and through that too, you see quite a bit of character development and change. Yeah. Um, which again gives those opportunities. So initially he's just rough and tough, but there, and then he just becomes really angry. And you see a lot of his like body language change. I'm glad that they had that sort of redeeming scene at the end there where he's sort of uh, accepted what his life is and he's not... He's not continuing down that path of being angry and depressed. and mm-hmm. Yeah. So how many Oscar nominations did this actually get? It was nominated for 13, and it won six, wow. including Best Picture. Do you know what the other ones were? Best Leading Actor? Yeah, Hanks did get Best Actor. Uh-huh. Um, Robert Zemeckis got Best Director, and there was a few other ones probably for set and design and costume. It and... got Best Picture. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, I think it deserved that. It was a really, I like this movie because it's really easy to just like sit down, watch, and you can watch it again and again. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's a lot of things that can get best picture. I think if a movie has those qualities, that can be best picture worthy. Or if a movie is like really like, I wouldn't want to sit down and watch Lord of the Rings all the time. But This is the same year as Shawshank. Oh, really? So which one would you prefer looking back in hindsight? This one. Interesting. Yeah. Why is that? Because I think Shawshank is a better film. And that, it, that's it's rated the, much that's higher That's the on thing, MVP. is that this is a movie and Shawshank is a film. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, See, Forrest Gump thinks it's a film. Yeah. It thinks it's, it's really doing something or saying something, and it's really not. It's just a funny gimmick that it's like, oh, let's I just think, go on a journey for a little bit. I think it's more than a gimmick, but... Um, but it's meant it's to a, be fun. It's a cre- yeah, it's... The reason it's it deserves what it got is because it's a creative use of storytelling. You know yeah. what I mean? That's why. Even though it doesn't have anything really significant to say, it takes you on that journey in a comfortable way. See, I think Shawshank had some stuff to say. Yeah. Yep. I kind of had the same feeling uh, for the first few times watching this that I got when watching The Martian. Like, when I watched The Martian, you haven't seen that, have you? I've seen parts of it. You've seen parts of it. <laughs> um, I always get this overwhelming sense, particularly towards the end of that. I kind of wish it was real, just because it would be such an inspiring story. Like it would be such an accomplishment for human kind. history. Yeah. yeah, I get that sort of feeling when watching Forrest Gump, and I'm like, I kind of wish this was real because it would be such a cool story. Yeah, to see this guy. He can rise up past his intellectual disability and just become very successful, regardless of what people can say that he can do. I get that sense of this would be really cool if it was real. And a lot of that is because he's, he is such a quite a nice character. He's very sweet. He always means well. Even when he gets to Vietnam and he's, he meets Lieutenant Dan for the first time, he says, I really don't want to let that guy down. Uh, he just he just seems like a really warm-hearted character. And I think yeah. that's why this movie stands so highly is because you kind of, you feel for him. You want him to succeed. And mm-hmm. that wouldn't work with just a normal person who has goods and bads. Forrest Gump seems to only have 
his good side. He's like he's very innocent. Yeah. I don't think this movie has much of a music score. It Are you serious? Okay, it has a music soundtrack. Okay, yeah. Where it's basically getting all these great songs from these decades and yeah. slipping them in there. Like, there's a lot. There's, but it's not got its own score. Yes. Okay. There's entire montages where it plays, like, four hits in a row just to be like, hey, remember this song? This was popular. You love this. There it is. And that's basically what the movie is yeah. with these story things that it's hitting. It's exactly the same with the music. I wrote down, I love this soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack, but it doesn't do anything new. It doesn't do anything that it, that other people haven't done, and that's exactly what this movie is. But it, but it doesn't need to, because what it's doing is it's using it as another tool to convey that story. I mean, if that's the track that you're going down, saying, I want to hit all these historical events of the 20th century, also, I want to hit all these great songs of the 20th century, then, then that kind of makes well, sense, yeah, because and that's, it relates. That's exactly what it's doing, because it's like, we want to draw on the nostalgia factor. Because this was a family movie at the time that it came out, right? I think so. Yeah. Maybe a little bit PG-13 family movie. But the people watching this would have grown up through those eras, right? And that's the target audience, Exactly. So that's why they utilized that. And I think they did it in such a great way. Because even me, who never lived through any of that time, it affected me and it affected my nostalgia because of my interpretations of what those decades would have been like, you know? Um... Because I was the little weirdo who loved listening to Elvis when I was 12. And I love the Beatles and I love... I really like the Credence song that they pick in here. I love Credence. So that's yeah. like that's why this soundtrack, it was so good for me. And it, it drew on, even though I didn't grow up in those times, it drew on my memories of what those songs are. They picked ones that were quite telling of those time periods. You know what I mean? Like Credence had so many songs because... Is the one you're thinking of when they're in the helicopter? Yeah. Yeah. They had so many songs, especially on that album, about the Vietnam War. Yes. Right? So that was like the perfect representation for that scene, I think. Yeah, that's fine. I just, I would think that a movie of this scale, would you would know, oh, yes, that's this Forrest Gump score, you know? And it, it doesn't really do that. But if you make the argument that that's what it's doing with the story arc and the music reflects that, then that's, that's kind of fair enough. That's yeah. justified. Can I just ask, what does it actually mean when he says stupid is as stupid does? That's just something people say. It's, it's actually a saying? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What does it mean? I think what it means is that, like, people aren't stupid. They're just, like... Only the things that they do are stupid? Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? I always took it as, um, even though he is challenged and he can be classed as stupid... He has achieved so much, and he has become successful, so his stupidity doesn't matter. It's completely insignificant because yeah. he still managed to hit those things. That's how I took it mm-hmm. as a kid watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, but other people have told me it's just a, it, it's a throwaway thing. It literally doesn't mean anything. I think it's become that. Okay. I think it's It's like become which one? A throwaway thing. Okay. But I think really in the context of the movie and in the context that it's originally meant to be used that... You know, there aren't stupid people, only stupid things that they do or stupid things that they say. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just in case you haven't seen this, we're going to go into spoilers now. Just a heads up. Can I just say how unlikable Jenny is as a character? I don't... You disagree with that, don't you? Yeah, because, like... How do you feel about Jenny? 
I relate to Jenny. You relate to Jenny? Yeah. Because she's going through these issues with herself. Yeah, like, she wouldn't be so unlikable if she didn't, like, if she hadn't faced the challenges she had faced. Yes, but that doesn't mean that she can be a bitch to Forrest all her life. She ignores him for the entire movie until the end when she's dying, lonely, and wants him to look after her baby. She's mean to him and she leads him on, she uses him, she has no respect for him. She doesn't even tell him that he has a kid by the end for no reason. She just ups and leaves. And it's only that when she's dying, she'll actually marry him. She, I, I don't know, I just feel like that she uses him for most of the movie. I think it can definitely be seen that way. And I think to an extent it's true. But I think, so you look at, well, why did she wait this long to marry him? Because she wasn't happy in herself and she didn't realize that he was what she actually wanted and needed. He's the only person in her whole life who's actually stood by her for any significant period of time. So why treat him like shit for so long? Because she was damaged. Because she was sexually abused as a child by her father. Her mom died. She went and lived with her grandmother in a freaking caravan. That's gotta yeah. be a nice way to grow up, you know? And continually attracted abusive relationships based on the fact that all she had ever grown up around was an abusive relationship. I can see I can see a, an argument for that. You know? So there, she honestly doesn't think she deserves anything but crap. Because that's that's all she's ever been used to. So she thinks that Forrest Gump is too good for her. Yeah. There's that scene towards the end when she's living with him, where she's standing on the stairs and he asks her to marry him. Mm-hmm. And she, she keeps saying, she said it like two or three times throughout the movie, you don't know what love is. That's so disrespectful. Like, you don't give him credit. He's like, I know what it is. Well, and that's the thing is that... And then when he goes and stands outside, it's very, like, heartbreaking. Well, and he especially says, I I may not be a smart man, but I do know what love is. And the thing there is that she doesn't realize that it's she who doesn't know what love is. And how could she ever know what love is? Because she's never been shown it Yes, by anybody who's supposed to. But if she's putting that blame on Forrest and saying, you're the one who doesn't know what love is, that, do you not see how insulting that is? It can be, but it, you also have to have- The issues aren't with me, they're with you and your stupid ass. But you also have to have empathy for her to understand that, like, of course she doesn't know what it is. How could she ever know what it is? And her her conception of what it is is so distorted that you can't really blame her. Does it excuse her for being an awful person? No. But it helps you understand why she behaves the way she behaves. I get that. And I understand why she is the way she is. Yeah. All I'm saying is she's not a very likable character and she's mean to Forrest for a lot of his adult life. So I think it's really interesting how... When she's depicted after they go to college, you never see her smile in pictures like she's in the Playboy magazine and she's not smiling. When she's on her picture, when she's at the peep show there, she's not smiling. When she's on stage as Bobby Dylan, she's not smiling. She never smiles. You know what I mean? You say after she left for college, but I'm thinking of points before that. I don't think she smiled even when she was in high school or as a child. Yeah. And why would she, you know? I just thought that was so interesting that, like, unless you know what to look for, you don't really notice it. Yeah. Um, and the only time you really see her truly express that excited, happy emotion is when she does reach out to him to come meet her in whatever city she's living in, in Alabama, to meet Little Forest. That's the only time you really see any... Um, well, the first time, actually, that you really see any true happiness 
out of her. And you say, well, she waits till she's dying to reach out to him. I think she waited until she was actually secure in herself. And unfortunately, she had AIDS at that point, you know? So I'm looking at it at a slightly different perspective than you. She's a pretty deep character, if you think about it. Probably more than the other ones in here. Forrest and Lieutenant Dan. Well, because she's got... She goes down so many paths and she has the most room to grow. Yeah. Well, and she, I think she fills that potential. Because you see her, she goes down every avenue trying to find happiness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she goes down... She tries to find it with drugs and music and, and abusive relationships. And men and... Yeah. Traveling, and, yeah. Like, she just... She struggles the whole time and she's never happy until the very end there. That is really interesting. I hadn't thought so critically about her character um, before what this watch. Mm-hmm. He's got a really interesting voice, Accent, the way yeah. he talks. And they said the way they chose it is the little boy who played Young Forest. That was his real accent, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. He, and he didn't have any intellectual disability or anything. He just, that's how he talked. So what they did... Instead of trying to make him change, they just decided. Tom Hanks decided, "Why don't we? Why don't we make me talk like him? That would be perfect." You know, well, if the character of Hanks is from Alabama, would he not have that accent? He did, but the way he would kind of insert those pauses and things in All there right. too. Thinking. Yeah, that's exactly how this little boy yeah. talked. They sat down together and recorded like a couple hours of conversations between Tom Hanks and this little boy, and he analyzed his speech patterns, and that's how he came up with. The voice for Forrest Gump. Was that a Graham Norton interview? It may have been. Because he's been on there a few times. Yeah, I think it was a Graham Norton interview. I watch a lot of his stuff. That boy emphasizes his vowels in a really weird way. He's like, Gump! Yeah. Like the way he says some of the words. It's like, why did you say it like that? That's not English. And it was just, like, he doesn't speak like that anymore. That's That's just how he spoke when he was a little kid. I believe he actually went into the US military when he grew up. That's interesting. The only person they actually age up in this is Sally Field. Yeah, Mrs. Gump. Yeah, which is fair enough, because it spans like 30 years or whatever, and they're like Tom Hanks, Robin Wright. Yeah, that you know, they're the same age throughout everything. They just don't try to, to make them look older or anything. Forrest mm. Gump has his same hairstyle. Um, I really like Sally Field. She's okay in this. Um, she doesn't have much opportunity to really show herself, but I, I quite like her as an actress. Um, It's just interesting that she's the only person who seems to get older in this and everyone Mm. else stays the same. I noticed, too, they really dated her character very well. Just the clothing that she wears? Yeah, because in the beginning, when he's little, this is like the 40s, early 50s. So her hat and her dress really reflect that. And then he's graduating and she's got the cat eye glasses that are like so iconic of the 60s. And then when she's dying, it's got to be... The 70s or 80s by then, I think it's... He gets home uh, in the early 70s. And she's got the big glasses that were all the rage in the early 80s. So I just, I really liked how they, um, I I appreciated how they dated this movie. Yeah. And how it was really well time-stamped. Time, yeah. yeah, I appreciated that. I thought it was good because it, I didn't feel like they were spoon-feeding you. I feel like they were just helping you along and holding your hand a little bit through. Well, it's kind of necessary for a movie like this that jumps so many years. Um, it can't always just have a title card just saying, this is now 1975. Because you can't 
you, you don't... can't do that. Yeah. So you've got to do it with your clothing and the trends and the historical events that are happening, maybe the cars or whatever, mm. um, and how people talk. You have to do it with those little things rather than showing a news clipping with the, the date in there. It's clever. It is. It was. I really enjoyed this movie. I, I quite like it. I like to watch it over and over again. I, I do too. This is one where it's about every four to six months. I'm like, I want to watch Forrest Gump. Yeah. Yeah. So... You came to me a little while ago now and said, I really want, I'm in the mood for Forrest Gump. I want to watch this. And I said, have you ever seen Castaway? Yeah. Um, and you're like, no, I haven't seen it. And I'm like, well, it's Tom Hanks, Robert Zemeckis. It's kind of an epic drama again. Um, I kind of really like Castaway because it's a smaller personal story. But you get you get those similar feels from Zemeckis. Mm-hmm. He's got a certain storytelling method that he kind of follows, I think. I think as a director, Robert Zemeckis is overrated because of the Back to the Future movies that he made in the 80s. He's, he's always held that. And then the Academy praise of this, Castaway was very good. But apart from that, um, he's really fallen flat with his career. Mm. He hasn't really been able to reach those highs again. It's kind of comparable to the, the directorial careers of like Ron Howard or Clint Eastwood, where they, they have made good movies in the past, but they... They are slightly overrated. I would put them up, him up there with them sort of thing. We have been Daniel and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or comment on SoundCloud. And until next week, thanks for listening. I'm Danny. This is Brenton. We are Danny and Brenton. We are DB, and today we're talking about Forrest Gump.